settle down. Good morning, everybody. Today, I will address some of the significant issues facing our nation and what God says about them. As you may or may not be aware, there are many people out of work. They do not have adequate food, health care, or education, and they need our help. But the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. And there are many people who suffer through tragedy, from natural disasters to violent crimes to disease and abuse. They are overwhelmed. They are struggling. But the Bible says God won't give you more than you can handle. And we have all dealt with problems and challenges that we don't understand. Things happen in our world and in our lives that are beyond our control. But don't worry, because the Bible says everything happens for a reason. And if your lifestyle isn't what you want it to be, if you want a nicer car or a bigger house or just want more money in the bank, then speak it into existence. Because as the Bible and my mama always say, name it and claim it. Well, what then does the Bible say? And big thanks to Press Secretary Jay for setting up this series that we're in the second part of that we call Fake News, because now that's a thing. And so today, part two of Fake News, that's not in the Bible. Uh, we're going to take up another common phrase that we hear said or quoted from the scripture that isn't entirely correct. And, and it's not uncommon that well-meaning, loving Christians will quote the Bible to each other as a way of encouraging or supporting or maybe even correcting and sometimes misquoting or misrepresenting what the Bible says along the way. So we've identified four common sayings that are attributed to the Bible as God's word, but in fact are not. Last week, we started with God helps those who help themselves. You hear this often used as a kind of a motivational speech or a way to avoid having to help somebody. And really, it's better said, God helps those who help others. And the good news, the truth, is that God is our help. And that is not dependent at all upon our ability or willingness to help ourselves. So the fake news that we're going to address this week is God won't give you more than you can handle. And that's not in the Bible. See? Amen. And really, that, that's a more nuanced fallacy. It's a, it's a shade of biblical truth. Uh, at its best, it's incomplete. This one's often said when people are dealing with something particularly difficult or devastating or tragic. And we don't know what to do. And so we just fall back on, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. But that's not in the Bible. And so if the Bible doesn't say that, what does the Bible say? And one of the places we're going to look for what the Bible does say this morning is in uh, one of the New Testament letters written by Paul to the church at Corinth. And so in just a minute, I'll read a verse from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But to set it up for you, if you were to read that whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 10, what Paul starts out by doing is sort of building a case for the good news as opposed to the fake news. 
And the way he builds the case is he recounts for the people of Israel, the people who are reading his letter, these first century followers of Jesus, he recounts for them some of the past struggles and temptations of their ancestors. And he names them things like idolatry and immorality, testing Christ, rejecting the deliverance that God had offered them, grumbling about how they'd rather go back to Egypt and live in slavery, slavery than be wandering in the wilderness towards the promised land. And Paul points out to them all the harm that was done in these situations, all the people that were hurt, all the people that died. It wasn't fun to hear, I'm sure, and kind of probably made them cringe just to hear that about themselves and their people. Just like it does for you and me when we're reminded of our national sins and the consequences. Things like genocide and slavery, racism, unbridled greed. We cringe to think about those things as a part of our history. We cringe when we're reminded of our religious sins and the consequences. Things like neglect of the poor, idolatry, disunity, pride. How damning it is to say to someone who's been the victim of our national or religious sins, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's fake news. And here's what makes it fake. First of all, to say God won't give you more than you can handle sets up God as the giver or the source of trouble and temptation. And this is kind of a, a finer theological point, if you will. So just hang in there with me for a minute. But it, it sets up, in a sense, a, a difference between two schools of thought, even within Christianity. And I'll just say Calvinism and Armenianism. So to use different language and maybe be a little bit more clear or specific, predestination versus free will. And to be more specific still, this statement invokes the attitude that God causes trials so that God can then be glorified through them or as a result of them. And maybe it's because of all the superhero movies and shows that I've been watching, but this makes me, that kind of thinking makes me think about a villain who secretly releases a poison or a disease into a community and then publicly comes out with the cure or the antidote so that they can be the hero. That's just twisted. And it is a twisted view of a loving God. Yes, everything that happens, happens in a world that is created by God and in a world that is in some very real sense governed by God. But that's a far cry from saying 
Everything that is tragic is caused by God. So what if we don't blame God for everything that happens? Then what? Well, we acknowledge things like we live in a broken, imperfect, natural world. And we deal with the results of things that are out of our control. We acknowledge that we ourselves are broken and imperfect. And we make bad choices and bring bad things upon ourselves. We acknowledge that people around us are broken and imperfect. And sometimes we deal with the consequences of the choices of other people. But see, the problem with this fake news is that it says that if you have to handle it, then God gave it to you. And that's not consistent at all with the character of a loving God. Especially when we understand Jesus as the embodiment, the perfect embodiment of that loving God. And the other part of this news that makes it fake is it turns the attention back to you or to me. And says, you have to handle it. That's kind of similar to last week's fake news. Because it points us to our own abilities. To say, you can handle it. And God expects you to handle it. Right? Because you're there. You have that circumstance, that situation, that trial, that trouble. So God must have given it to you. You know, it's related to this that I sometimes hear people refer to the Philippians passage where I call it the Tebow verses. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's a sort of an angle or a justification for this kind of statement. Of course, if you go back and read that whole passage, what Paul says before those words is that he's learned how to live with much and learned how to live with very little. So what he says is, I've learned to be content in life, no matter how much I have. And then he says, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about, I've learned how to be content in spite of my possessions or my wealth. The fact is, we do encounter things that are more than we can handle. And that brings us to the verse I want to read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And this is what it says. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for people. But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. And see, if you stopped at, he won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities, in that verse, that's where you get a shade of the truth. That would lead you to want to claim this statement to be true. But you have to take the whole verse, from beginning to end, to get the good news, as opposed to the fake news. And the good news that Paul says in this verse is temptation is common for people. 
And that, that word temptation also is used other places translated as trials. Another way to understand it is tests of your integrity or your character or your faith. Temptations, trials, tests. And all of them that we deal with and face are common to people. This begins to open up the good news for us that you're not alone. Whatever it is that you're dealing with or going through or struggling with, you're not alone. We experience them together. That's one of the most debilitating things I see for people in their lives and in their faith is they encounter a circumstance that's more than they can handle and pull out this line, well, God won't give you more than you can handle, and, and it isolates them. So, well, then I need to be able to figure this out. I've got to be able to do this. And then that comes right along with it is the idea, oh, well, then I'm sure there's nobody else who's, who's dealing with what I'm dealing with. Here's what makes my circumstance or my situation unique to me, and nobody can relate. And that's a lie. All temptation, it, it's, it's common. All of these trials, these tests, are things that we struggle and deal with. People around you are dealing with the same thing you are. If you're in here this morning and you're sitting there thinking, this thing that I deal with, this thing that I struggle to handle or understand, nobody can relate, that is not true. I guarantee there's somebody in this room who can relate. And Paul even set this up by pointing back to all the generations before them and the struggles that they had had, the temptations that they had faced. There's a sense in which we learn and we lean on each other. That's one of the powerful things about a community of faith, that this is not you and your faith and your relationship with God. It's not just me and God. We're in this together. That's I love the fact that we have small groups where people can get to know each other on a more personal level and listen and share and study and pray and grow together and benefit from the experiences of their brothers and sisters. I've said before, we're not in here building an audience. We're building a community. And we don't go through these things alone. Our temptations our trials, the tests of our character or our faith or our integrity. But instead, what Paul says is God is faithful. Now we get into the rest of the good news. God loves you. God will not leave you, will not let you down, and will not abandon you or let you go, especially when you're struggling. Now is not the time to look within yourself or to try to figure out how to handle it. God is not saying to handle it on your own. Paul says in the midst of those temptations and knowing and understanding your abilities, God will make a way. This is the real news, the good news, that when you're facing temptation or trouble, or a test of your faith or your integrity, God will make a way. God is the way maker, especially when it seems like there is no way. 
Somebody in here could say amen that God makes a way when it seems like there is no way. Amen? I remember a while back when it seemed like there was no way. Now, granted, the story I'm about to tell you is not religious or spiritual in any means, but it has a point, I promise. When I just started driving, I was a teenager, just a, just a you know, maybe right, I think I might have been a senior in high school. My parents had been divorced for a couple of years. Uh, my mom still lived in the Marietta, Smyrna, Austell area where I was raised. My dad had moved to Gainesville. And so for the first time, I drove myself to go visit my dad from Austell to Gainesville, Georgia, and back. It was a big step for a teenager. The interstates, right, like 285, 85. You remember the first time you drove on an interstate by yourself? I just knew I could do it. I made it to my dad's fine. Spent the weekend, had a good time, and it was coming home, coming down 985, 85, did all that just fine. Got to 285, and you have to pick which way to go, right? I mean, <laughs> you got a 50-50 shot. <laughs> and if you go the wrong way when you're trying to go over to Marietta, you end up on the other side of Atlanta, which is what I did. And I didn't realize it immediately because I hadn't been driving for long, right? So I was going down 285. And then I realized the surroundings didn't look like they did my way, on my way over. And, you know, you're behind the wheel and you're going, what, 60, 70, whatever miles an hour. I mean, and you're doing all this calculations in your head like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going the wrong way on 285. And so then I'm trying to figure, well, what do I do? This is unfamiliar to me. And... I confess, right, this was back before I would have had a cell phone sitting right there, which is probably a double-edged sword, right, good and bad. I wasn't texting, but also had no navigational assistance. So, so I'm on the other side of 285, and I get south of Interstate 20 over there, and I, and I realize, okay, yeah, this is not going well. Now, granted, some of the more seasoned drivers in the room would say, well, 285 is a loop. So... <laughs> You stay on 285, you'll eventually. My young teenage mind it did not occur to me, right? I was a good male driver in training. I will, I will figure this out. So, so I got off the interstate, got off 285, and I stopped uh, and, and pulled into a gas station and asked for directions and tried to explain to the guy where I was going, hoping he understood Marietta and Austell and all that kind of stuff. And he, and he did. And he told me, well, you could get back on the inter- you get back on 285 and just follow the loop all the way around, or you could cut straight across. So naturally, never having driven in Atlanta, downtown, I decided to cut straight across. <laughs> right? So I head into Atlanta, completely unfamiliar territory. Never been in this place behind the wheel by myself in life. And before I know it, I'm coming by Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Some of you wouldn't recognize that. It's where the Marietta Braves used to play before, thank you, before they played at Turner Field. They, they played at Fulton County Stadium. I come by Fulton County Stadium. I'm getting anxious. I hit Pryor Street, 
I'm like, okay, this is, I'm not in Kansas anymore. And, and I stop and ask directions again. And, and the guy at the gas station sort of points me the way. And I end up on Marietta Street and eventually, you know, navigated my way home. There was a point in that journey where I felt like there was no way I was, I was getting home. This is how it ends for me. 18 years old, just till my car runs out of gas, driving around downtown Atlanta, <laughs> never to be heard from again. But of course, now you wouldn't even have that problem, most likely, in most places, right? I mean, granted, there are maps, and there were maps back then, but, you know, didn't use that. Today, we have the benefit of the development of technology, things like GPS, satellites, so that we can have a glimpse of the journey from above. And then apps on our smartphone, like Apple Maps, as helpful as that was, and, and Google Maps. And now you got Waze that not only has the GPS function and the map, but then it sort of crowdsources your understanding and knowledge and awareness of the traffic and so we wouldn't even have issues now like I had then, most likely. But man, I was desperate for a way home. And the good news that is so much bigger and better than this fake news is that God has made a way home. God has made the way home for you and for me and for all of us. And his name is Jesus. So that we don't have to function thinking, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Because the truth is, God is faithful and God will make a way. So what I would ask you to do this morning is just be done with this phrase. If, if that's ever been in your vocabulary, will you toss it out? And replace it with, God is faithful and will make a way. That's the good news that the Bible gives us. That's the real news. And if you ever hear somebody saying this, God won't give you more than you can handle, don't try to fight them. Just, maybe you can just contribute a different perspective. Like God is faithful and God will make a way. And in fact, in the, in the deepest, realest, most fulfilling sense, God has made the way. And it's Jesus. So I want to ask if you would just to repeat that phrase with me that we're replacing and putting in the place of this fake news. And that is, God is faithful and will make a way. We'll say it in two parts. Will you just say it after me? God is faithful, God is faithful. and will make a way. Make a way. One more time. God is, God is faithful and will make a way. In just a minute, we're going to close with prayer and then have a time to sing. It's an opportunity to respond to what we're experiencing and hearing from God today, that God is faithful and God will make a way. It's also our time to give back to God with our offerings or our tithe. It's a way for you to say, I trust you, God, and, and I am thankful for what you've given to me. It's also a way for you to say, 
I want to make sure that this church continues to spread the good news and not the fake news. And I want to help make it happen. And so the way I'm going to do that is by giving to make it happen, to support it. I'll tell you that I've already been told the Wi-Fi is down in the building. So if you're leaning on our Wi-Fi for any of that, not while you're in here, uh, which means also the kiosk out there isn't working. Sorry, technology. But as we sing, I hope you'll take that opportunity to respond. But before we do that, I want to ask if we could pray together. And so I invite you just to take a minute in prayer. And, and here's, here's what's on my mind, my heart right now. Is that there's probably a, a lot of us in here who are at a moment or a season in our lives where we're dealing with more than we can handle. It may be something very specific. You hear the good news. God is faithful. And God will make a way. He gave us the way. Jesus. And Jesus said, follow me. Live life like I live. And God will make a way. You know, I'm thinking about as I was trying to drive around Atlanta, I saw all kinds of street signs. Left turn, stop, caution, straight ahead, slow down, yield. If you're at one of those places in your life where it feels like there is no way that you're dealing with more than you can handle, and you're trusting that God is faithful and God will make a way. I wonder what street sign you're seeing. Do you see God indicating something for you in your journey and your path as God makes the way for you? That could even be just a part of a prayer right now. As we say, God, we trust you and we believe that you are faithful and you make a way. And then as we see and hear from God that way and whatever that next step is along the way and in the journey, that then we would be faithful. We would trust God and we would go that way. Heed that sign. And the promise of that scripture is that God will make a way out, but it also says that most often that means a way through. And so we acknowledge together that as God makes the way in our lives through our trials, the tests of our faith or our integrity, that it doesn't mean that God snaps the fingers and, and it goes away, but it means that God goes with us along that journey. Every stop, every check of the directions, of the map, of the turns, that God goes with us. God, we're so thankful for what you teach us through your word, through the words of Paul writing thousands of years ago, the people who've just discovered what it means to follow you 
through Jesus. And that even thousands of years ago, you were teaching us the truth, the good news. That the trials we face are shared, they're common, that we're not alone, that we have each other. And that you are faithful, that you make the way, even when it seems like there is no way. God, would you make the way for us today, for ourselves, for our families, for our community, our nation, our world. God, hear us as we repent of the sins of our nation, of our religion. God, may we learn from our mistakes and go in your way that is good and right and holy and trust you every step. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.